0: Better World. This is your host, Mitchell J. Rabin, and we're very glad you're joining us again today. Today we're going to have another very interesting show. We have with us Catherine Ingram, who is the author of this book, Passionate Presence. And Catherine goes around the world, actually, teaching. She conducts Dharma dialogues wherever she goes, all over Europe, Asia, the United States, and sits in a room and very simply speaks with people about nature of self and the nature of being which is what this book is about and I encourage you to get it and take a look at it for yourselves and connect to the energy that's within it. Hello Catherine. Hello
1: Mitchell. Good to see you. <laughs> Wonderful to see you. Good
0: to have you. So first of all what is it that everyone gets involved in sort of a spiritual endeavor or path for different reasons?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It may have some underlying similarity.
1: Mm-hmm. But what Hoping was it? Hoping to feel for you? better.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. <exactly. laughs> Hoping
1: to get out of suffering. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> yeah. Was that I'm, what it was for you? That was what it was for me, yeah. Mm-hmm. I would say it was it was to try to come to terms with the kind of suffering that I was feeling in th- through my you know, young adulthood, having had a very difficult childhood and wanting to make sense of of life and of this world. Uh, Were you
0: raised within a particular uh, religious tradition?
1: Not exactly, no. Um, my grandmother was Catholic, but she died when I was seven. Mm. And then my parents were really not very religious. So I, when I was um, about 12, I came upon the notion of ag- agnosticism. Which simply means don't know, sure. and that made a lot of sense to me. So I thought for a while I was an agnostic.
0: <laughs> yeah, you had a group <laughs> to belong to.
1: Yes, I had a, I had a label, and um, um, but it it didn't have much in the way of uh, explanation of anything, you know. So I, I kept going, kept seeking. I didn't ever really particularly connect with Christianity as a form. Mm-hmm. Um, and I began to study more in the Asian traditions in my later teens, having read Be Here Now by Ram Dass, and I was, mm-hmm. very, I was very influenced by that. And um, Many he had were of that Many generation. were of, yeah, and sold a million copies. Yeah. And at the end of Be Here Now, there was a book list, um, a suggested reading list that he had put together. And I went out and got every single book on that book list. Really? And read most of them. Some of them didn't quite click, but I read almost all of them. <laughs> So and that launched me into this whole um again seeking a more of a teacher uh to to really train with which a process that eventually led me to Naropa Institute in 1974 where a host of uh, you know a incredible roster teachers. of teachers were there and I met my first teacher but uh their buddhist teacher began practicing buddhist meditation which I did for 17 years um, and helped yes. start a center and helped set up retreats around the, the world Vipassana. in the Vipassana training, mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that teacher was Joseph Goldstein? That was Joseph Goldstein, mm-hmm. wonderful, wonderful teacher. Mm-hmm. A good and Jewish Buddhist. Yes, <laughs> uh, the, the buddhist order we call <laughs> <Right>. it. <laughs> and, um, and then um, after a long time of practice though I came to a point of discontent and things weren't really again, weren't making sense in a way and practice began to fall away the notion of practice began to fall away
0: But for a while, I gather that it provided you with some sense of meaning, yes. with some sense of purpose, community,
1: community, connectedness, oh, yes.
0: uh, to community, but also to life itself. Yes. Is yes. that so?
1: Oh, very much so. It was definitely um, a rich and, and beautiful time, those many, many years yeah. of being with my Buddhist crowd and training in wonderful places, often in Asia, just living a life in which we considered these things on a daily basis sure. and often were in deep quiet retreat um, so that was that was wonderful but now, then within that
0: context though was mm-hmm. there a sense of um, a direction of it relative to the idea of samadhi or nirvana or yes, full awakening yes there was there
1: was, a, there was definitely an emphasis on progressing on the path Yes, okay. And this became more and more problematic for me.
0: And yet, within it, and within the teachings of, you know, the Buddhist traditions, there's this idea that wakeful mind is with us all the time.
1: Yes, it's a paradox, and isn't like, it?
0: Right, nowhere yeah. to go, nowhere right. to progress, in fact.
1: Right, right. right? Which is much more appealing to me. Yes, (laughs) I
0: I gather. That's why I was just outlining this.
1: (laughs) Yes. And so
0: within the structure, it's a strange thing to say because we are the living teaching anyway. So it's not there isn't some kind of church you go to and belong to. It's yourself, even so-called within the discipline.
1: Yes, that's right.
0: Yeah. But within whatever community you were in. I'm gathering that you did not connect to that idea of this is it.
1: Well, I didn't, that wasn't so much emphasized actually, Um, you know, that we were very much in a progressive, you know, you keep practicing, keep practicing, certain things will, certain negative mind states will eventually fall away. Well, they weren't falling away. I mean, in fact, the more that I looked at them, the worse they seemed to be because <laughs> I could—they s- were so clear, <laughs> <laughs>
0: right, right, <So laughs>
1: right.
0: unfiltered, uh, right,
1: exactly. There was no distraction from them, <laughs> so um, so I became very discouraged and um, kind of all notion of spiritual practice just fell away, and it began to look like my father had always said, like a big waste of time. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> unfortunately, I was unfit for the world at this point. I mean, I really didn't feel that I could just go out and just try to, you know, play the power game or the money game or the romance game or whatever it happened to be. It was as though I had just seen too much, and I fell into depression. And, you know, during this period, if I went into a grocery store, and there were just normal people about in that which there w- usually would be, mm-hmm. you know, in Marin County where I was living at the uh-huh. time. Um, I couldn't be in there for five minutes. I would have to just leave without the groceries. I, I just felt like an alien in this world. Because the Dharma had been my life and now that wasn't so much, you know, appealing to me right. or I wasn't connected to whatever I had known. And I didn't feel that I fit in the t- in the ordinary kind of the day to day, the the, you know, the progressive game of get more, have more, mm-hmm. be more, be somebody, all those things, I wasn't, I had no interest that wasn't in that either. For you either. So um, yeah, you were
0: too progressed along the path. Well, I, I <laughs> no. had I was
1: I had deconstructed so much, sure, you know, exactly. that that. Some part it of me. didn't hold meaning. Right, I mean, and some part of me knew that I was not going to be relaxed in any of those games because they all looked yeah. very temporary and fraught with, yeah. you know, all kinds of problems. So um, at this point, I then began, uh, well, after this two year <laughs> depression, there was an openness. You know, I think depression can lead you either into madness or into, into a whole yeah. radical shift. And there was this openness. And I began to hear about a teacher in India named Poonjaji, very unusual uh, Indian teacher who really was just offering his own direct life experience really without a teaching per se. But what his message was was that there's nothing to seek and nothing to do and nothing to get and really just relax into this sweet taste of Of true self or true nature relax into it relax into what is right now here with no improvement and when I went and met him and sat in front of him his confidence in that relaxed sense of presence was contagious
0: he'd
1: been he'd been relaxed like that a really long time so it was very it was just contagious The, the Certainty that he had, and the way that it exuded in everything he said and did, and that was the turning point um, out of this depression and into really what I would call the mystical the truly mystical experience of life, where you are sitting comfortably in your own skin, in your own self, and you're feeling a connectedness to all that you feel you feel in sitting here right now a connection to your own self self unto self he used to call it mm-hmm. not Mitchell and Catherine so much but self unto self even though Mitchell and Catherine are honored and
0: coexisting and
1: coexisting and are converse- are in conversation but that really it's the underlying feeling of, of being and belonging which you feel more strongly when you're sitting in the center of your being. And that's where you're hanging out. And that's what then you begin to feel and notice in every other thing. Even if you're looking in the eyes of reptiles, you see it there, shining. Oh, yeah. You know? And in anything.
0: In fact, they're more composed than many people.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But often people might feel a kind of alienness. You know? That would be a typical natural response, a biological response. Your biology will tell you probably to run away. But in fact, another... And, and that might be appropriate in many mm-hmm. cases, right, right. but another another coexisting awareness can be going on, which doesn't see any alienness necessarily.
0: But sensing being.
1: Yes, sensing being, exactly. Right. And sensing and being. Animals, and animals,
0: interestingly, are an incredible yeah, expression. Yes. Natural a beautiful expression. expression, expression you know, yes, yes. Because what do they do? I mean, they're hanging out.
1: Yes. You know? Well, like I said the other night at, uh, <laughs> yeah. at the session, you know, it's yeah. the, the quote I had started this thing with was um, I hoped someday to become the person my dog thinks I am. <laughs> <laughs> and That's I was great. pointing out that maybe the dog is actually seeing the real you, you know, exactly. right now, not someday, but actually now. That's right. Re- relating to that, exactly, which is just here.
0: As far as we know, right, that dog does does not have a mind full of thoughts and you know plans.
1: Yeah, you know? and he's not doing a whole one up, one down, judging thing, right. and all the things that we that we do that give us a feeling of separation with each other. So this perspective really bypasses that sense whereby you're much more interested in feeling family-like with someone rather than proving to that person something about yourself or trying to get that person to prove something about themselves to you. Right. Yeah.
0: (laughs) It is so simple. Yes. It's so right here.
1: Yes, Right.
0: and I remember Trungpa since we were talking about some of this before in his cutting through spiritual materialism which for me remains a major classic yes. you know. Yes. Um, speaking about the whole idea of spiritual credentials Yes. and one of the things Catherine that I gather in your speaking and writing is that that just utterly completely flies out the window where it belongs <laughs> <laughs> you know, yes. there's no such thing as that yeah. there's only being and your your relationship to it.
1: Yes, right. Well, I point yourself. out in the book in passionate presence I I outline seven qualities that emerge naturally when one un, when one is sitting in this presence. Yes. And they're very simple qualities that we all already know in our hearts.
0: Could you spell those y- out yes, for they, the audience? they
1: are tenderness. You know, we don't everyone understands what tenderness means. discernment the awareness becomes sharper because Mm -hmm. you're not constantly on some personal agenda that has to be gotten for you. Right. Embodiment, which is the recognition that you live in an environment, in an ecosystem. You're an embedded part of that ecosystem. You have a body. (laughs) There's
0: a material (laughs) reality. There's a
1: material reality, and your feet are on this earth. And as I say in the book, there may be some divinity somewhere else, possibly. But the only one we're going to know is through this body That's and right. on this earth. Um, genuineness or authenticity. Genuineness being the, um, the expression of your naturalness. Again, without having to do a big presentation. And we love being with people who are genuine. right? I know I do. Yeah. Even, if, even if they're wild or crazy or foolish or whatever it is. If they're in their authenticity, there's, there's, they get a pass. <laughs> um, silence, the, the quality of silence, which is the silence of the heart, which is the place that has never spoken in any of us. that deep well of silence, is one of the things one comes into touch with in this passionate presence. It's, it's there as a quality. You can almost feel it. Delight. Quality of delight, um, which is the current of joy. That if you admit it, you feel right. I mean, usually people are busy reciting their problems, but underneath, everybody loves to be. They still want to be. Almost everybody. Very few people mm-hmm. commit suicide. But almost everybody's when faced with Beneath not the litany. Yes, <laughs> when faced with not being at all, they really like being. <laughs> And if they'll just admit that a little sooner yeah. than being faced with not being, than being faced with death, they would be in touch with this joy that is, that is really ever-present. And I don't mean a kind of giddy, silly, Pollyannish thing. I mean mm-hmm. just a current of well-being that is saying, oh, yeah, it's good to be alive. Yeah. Quality of wonder. Wonder, which sa- knows that we live in a mystery and that the appropriate response to mystery is awe and wonder and that gives a freshness to our lives it gives us a sense of innocence um, it allows us to be to live with beginner's mind as suzuki roshi put it yes. let's see i don't know if i've left any out
0: Was that seven? It might
1: have been. <laughs>
0: <laughs> 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 could I add one?
1: Yes, yes, add beauty, beauty. Yes. Well, I actually. You could
0: say maybe that's been woven in a bit. I have a section the in
1: the in the delight chapter, in fact. Oh yeah. Okay. Called pervasive beauty, a subsection called pervasive beauty, and it is absolutely an important yes, aspect, um, and this sense of beauty when you say pervasive what it implies is that it's a shift in it's a shift in the perception it's a shift in the perceiver rather right mm-hmm. so that yes. for instance i'll tell a story quickly um when i first went to be with punjaji in india he lived in a very he's dead now he lived in a very polluted town terribly polluted such that the air was just dark with
0: where in India in
1: Lucknow India Mm -hmm. a nondescript town except Mm. that it was very polluted
0: and he was there
1: and he was there (laughs) (laughs) Um, and outside of his home there was this mound of garbage covered with warthogs hairy Mm. warthogs large ones eating the garbage Mm. and you know when you're in this darkened polluted atmosphere and you're hearing the snorts of these warthogs crawling over garbage. I mean, it was like a vision of hell, you know. Yeah. And at first when I went there... Yes, it was. And at first when I went there, I almost felt nauseous, you know, just looking at all this yeah. stuff and smelling it. And After I had gone there and I was interviewing him uh, the first week I was there, after our first two-hour session of one-on-one interview, I walked out of his place and the world looked different. And the warthogs looked beautiful and I was thinking, I bet warthogs look really beautiful to each other. (laughs) I bet a male warthog looks (laughs) great to a female (laughs) warthog. And the the fact that they were eating Uh, the garbage was no problem. I was happy for them that they had the garbage there to eat and it had all lightened up in a very strong way. Mm. Again it was this sense of, instead of a resistance and feeling things as alien, it was a sense of feeling it as one's own. You know, just it all just felt an extended sense of being. So, in this way, I speak about pervasive beauty in the book Mm. that it's a shift in the perceiver, right? Yeah.
0: What a great and graphic story. (laughs) (laughs) Because if you could shift that much, you know something great was going on. Yes,
1: well, there was something great going on in that room. Yes. Fabulous. You know,
0: that's really graphic.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> sure,
0: that's right, pervasive beauty. I mean, I think a human naturally tends toward the appreciation of and being ensconced in yes, beauty yes, and when he or she wakes up a bit to the order of things, if yes. you will. The you know, the the beautiful natural order. Oh, I think
1: that's and I'll true. tell you,
0: uh, maybe there's even a ninth. You don't mind if I make a recommendation or two people co author a book <laughs> and, yes. and a few more. <laughs> you know. Um humor. Yes. You know, when mm-hmm. I know, when I'm more wakeful, Yes, I see the inherent humor in the whole setup. Oh. Both the human and the ordinary natural world. Yes, absolutely. You know, there's just great comic relief wherever there you is, want. You yes, know.
1: yes. And you, you do, you become much more childlike. Not childish, yeah, but right. childlike in that understanding. And things yeah. are You know, funnier now. It is not to deny the suffering of the world at Mm. all. There is tremendous suffering in this world, and uh, you know, if you if you if you're not noticing it, you're not paying attention. (laughs) Fast asleep. (laughs) Yes, yes. And so to hold all of that and let it let it wash through as the play of existence. To know that yes, it hurts to lose the loved ones. Yes, it hurts to see the cruelty of humans with themselves and every other creature on earth, yes, all of that breaks one's heart over and over again. You know, to the degree you let that in and wash through is the same degree that you can feel the joy as well. If you're blocking it out on one end, you're not gonna feel it on the other. And you can play it safe and wear your armor and not feel much at all and be just kind of like in some neutral ground
0: or insulated
1: insulated somehow yes mm-hmm. you can insulate just or be an ostrich but if you want to really play it in a rich way yes and have you need a courageous heart to do it cuz you feel yeah. a lot yes you feel so much then you're on this big spectrum of feeling the intensity of the suffering the intensity of the joy tears come easily and and yeah. quickly pass quickly
0: that's a function of authenticity and genuineness, y- yes, really. Yes,
1: absolutely. You know? Yes, it is.
0: You, Catherine, have very beautifully segued into the next question that I really wanted to bring up here to you, which is, what is the relationship, and it's funny because I know you've been a social activist in many ways in your life. Now that you are doing what you're doing, doing the Dharma dialogues and yes. all, and I had such a wonderful time with you that night um, at Tibet House. It oh. was just Very beautiful. Thank
1: you. (laughs) Thank you.
0: And also rich with humor. (laughs) So I thank you. Um, There is so much suffering. And I'd like to kind of just frame it, if I could, in this way. Mm -hmm. We live next door to each other. And the person next door is very loud and vexatious and pollutes the water. That is then going into my home hmm. and um, fouls the air and and disrupts the soil. So my my tomato plants can't grow properly. Yes. They don't have the right sweet taste. Yes. And um, in short, my life is now experiencing the suffering because it happens that my neighbor is going through this himself because of the torturedness, let's say, of his own mind. Right, yes. And yet, I'm going to expand that micro picture to the macro. Yes. And so we have a planet that's very beautiful, that we love and are, as you so beautifully put. Yeah. We are our planet. We are our world. Yeah. And yet we see elements, others, destroying it, literally destroying the ecosystem, not to mention other humans and other sentient beings. What is the role of someone who is more awake in handling, dealing with that reality?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, one element of it is to see the way in which we also collude, that each of our lives has got an eco price tag on it as well. And to be very vigilant about treading as lightly as possible, even though living in Frankly, living in America, it's very difficult to not be using resources in a disproportionate way to the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. But, um, but we can at least have it in our awareness and try our best yeah. to model, as Gandhi put it, model the change you want to see, be the change yes. you want to see. So that's the first part. And the second part, I would say, is that we have to come from understanding first you know you can you you're only going to have an appeal to somebody who you perceive to be in ignorance if you have some understanding of the person and have some way of conversing with the person you can't do it just by violence you can't just beat them into submission it we don't live in a world where that's any longer possible right. as we're seeing so clearly on the yes, political indeed. stage so this is it's a Gandhian principle and it It works for the most part. It may not always perfectly work, but Mm -hmm. for the most part it works. That if I come to you as a friend, and I appeal to you as a friend first, with understanding, you're going to be a lot more likely to listen to what I have to say.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. I agree. That's right. There's a human heart. Yes. Everyone.
1: Yes, Yes, exactly, yes. And and there may be times when you just simply have to stop someone by any means possible. Yeah. There may be those times. But it's good to have exhausted all of the other gentle ways first.
0: And just in terms of, uh, you know, just out with it, like really political activism in one way or another yes. and it could be that the pen is stronger than the sword yes. it could be any number of ways are these things that in your heart and your experience really have value
1: Absolutely. and
0: make a contribution. Oh
1: yes, very definitely and especially if, if they can be informed with this understanding that we're speaking about here. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes. then they're very effective. Yes, okay. yeah.
0: That's, it's very good to hear because as we know so many people on a spiritual path as it's called. Yes. You know, uh, feel that they can sort of deny the world and material existence right. in exchange for some kind of divine experience that puts all of this away. Right. And no. yet this is our world it's as you, one of your points of embodiment. Yes. We're yes. embodied. Let's yes. use it and enjoy.
1: Yes. And honor it and respect and it. Honor and respect yes. it.
0: Well, I'm talking about honoring and respecting. I want to just thank you. Oh, thank so you so much. Absolutely. It was a pleasure to oh. have you here <laughs> you're doing beautiful work and i just want to help support that oh, as it yeah. travels around the and, world and
1: you as well you're doing very beautiful Thank work you so much
0: <laughs> wow i hope you're uh, awakened and turned on as, as i am this was very beautiful well my name is mitchell J. rabin thanks so much for joining us and i look forward to seeing you all next week